0: Hi, I'm Adrian, and right this moment, there are tens of thousands of black entrepreneurs around the world creating amazing startups that you've never heard about. For some reason, the mainstream media doesn't cover black entrepreneurs as much as it should. But on this show, we find these amazing founders. We sit down with them. We figure out how they got their ideas launched, what their struggles were, what they're afraid of, What drives them? My hope is that you, having a firepower from listening to the show, to go out there and start your own business, or if you're working on something, continue plowing through it. Let's have an amazing time together. Welcome to the show. So I'm here with Kimberly Jolison. Is that correct? Is that how you say it? Jaila yeah. Jaila Okay, she's the founder of the Gender Reveal Game. She is a prolific millennial black founder um, and just really breaking everything in the tech space right now. Um, So, Kimberly, can you tell us what your game does and why why the Gender Reveal Game?
1: You call me prolific. That's hilarious. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Kim, and the Gender Reveal Game is an online web app right now that allows expecting moms and dads to raise money by having their friends and family guess whether they're having a boy or girl with cash. Pretty simple concept.
0: And how does this, how does this game help moms?
1: They make some extra cash that they usually need, right? So, I mean, the, the reason why I came up with the game was because, you know, I had a friendly wager with my family for my gender reveal game for my gender reveal announcement. Um, And then I had a few of my friends do the same and they also raise money. So I kind of made this game initially to help moms raise money, right? Having a baby is expensive. Who couldn't use a few extra bucks? Um, But in reality, this has actually grown into just getting friends and family involved in the pregnancy earlier, not just at the very end when they show up with the baby shower with a couple of gifts just earlier. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how it's morphed and grown into.
0: So what's interesting is that you say you developed this game, but traditionally you're not a computer programmer. You are from the pharmaceutical industry. So how does that happen? How does someone in the pharmaceutical industry develop a game from scratch that's completely new and it doesn't actually exist?
1: I, it was a very interesting journey. So I knew, you know, that people exist who can make this happen. Um, So I was able to hire um, a dev shop, so I did hire initially a local team, Um, I'm based in Atlanta, so the firm was in Atlanta, and they were able to build me the first version of the game, the MVP, the Minimal Viable Product, Um, and then we've kind of taken it from there.
0: Okay, so there's a lot of things that you said there that some people might not know. So you said dev shop, so an MVP. So what 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 exactly is a dev shop? Because a lot of people listening might not necessarily be in the tech space yet, but they, oh my gosh, they could be, um, you know, thinking about starting some app or they have an idea they want to get off the ground. And just to get them up to speed, you know, what what is a dev shop and like what exactly is an MVP?
1: Okay, so. I'm glad you asked that. Let's take it back.
0: Yeah, let's go back. Let's go back.
1: Before the MVP, before Death Shot, when I came up with this game and what I I realized I did that, you know, most don't do that I was completely accident is you want to prove out your concept that people actually want whatever you're building without essentially spending a dime, right? You want to prove that this can actually be a real life living thing. So when I came up with the game, I initially went on Canva um, and made a little graphic. And on the graphic had my Cash App name, my PayPal name, and my Venmo name. And it said something like, send $20 with your guess of boy or girl in the description, right? And people did. And I kept it all in an Excel sheet. Whenever I'd get a Venmo or an alert in my PayPal, I'll put, who sent it to me? How much they sent and what their vote was right and with that i was able to raise a thousand dollars over a thousand dollars with my game i did the same thing for my friends who were also expecting at the time so again didn't spend a dime right i just went on canva which is free created a little gif sent it to them they sent it out to all their friends and family and then money came in so that's what you initially want to do first find some creative extremely low-cost non-technical way prove your concept and then once you do that you could graduate to okay, now how can I make this technical? how can I make this better? What's the next step to get a few more people doing this amazing activity? Um, does that does that help?
0: Yeah, I think that 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 definitely helps out a lot. I think that um, a lot of people will definitely think about okay so I've got this app idea right now and I should probably... I should probably go find myself a computer programmer and get a quote for building an app. So this is a little bit counterintuitive because it goes against what you, what you hear out there. And nobody really wants to put their name on something that looks a bit crappy. But it sounds to me like that's how you get started.
1: Yeah, no, you're supposed to hate your first product. That's, that's, that's the thing, right? Because it's your first one. You're not going to be great, especially if you're listening to this and you're not technical. Um, the, the point is, you know, think of we always forget the first time we signed on Facebook, or the first time we signed on Uber. We always forget how those apps looked. I mean, literally go on Google and search the first Uber version of their app. I mean, it was horrible. <laughs> um, nothing that we would consider using today, but it was their start. So you know, before you go out and you drop 10, 5, 10, 50000 dollars on building a product, really try to prove out your concept. Try to get five people. Okay. Try to get 20 people. All right. Get 100 and then see um, about, you know, taking it from there.
0: So that, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. So, but at what point do you realize, okay, so I've got something here, you know, maybe I can get five of my friends to use it to, you know, play this game and I have maybe 20 people and 50 people. At what point do you then say okay, well I'm going to go out and I'm going to spend $10,000 to get this game made, right? What what gave you that confidence that hey, you know what? I think I might have something here. What was that defining moment where you realized, you know what? This is going to work. I'm going to invest my time my money and my effort into this thing.
1: Okay, so again, taking it back, right? And and I I'm going to I'm probably going to say that a lot in this podcast cuz I feel like a lot of these podcasts tend to talk about where we are now and I really want to focus on like the very beginning. Um, and I think I think the deciding factor really depends on your circumstances, right? For me, I was pregnant. So I had to speed it up a little bit, right? Because once the baby came, that was I had a hard deadline. Like baby came, it's going to be time for a break. And I really didn't want to lose momentum. But it really depends on the product. It depends on what your traction is. I mean, ideally, you don't want to spend that much. You want to, you want your idea to pay for itself in the ideal world. There's that, or do you have money saved? You could use that, or do you have partners you could bring on to subsidize the cost? There's so many different variables, um, and it really depends on what works for your idea, what works for you and your circumstance.
0: Okay, so at some point, right, so you you have, let's call it a couple hundred people using this thing, and when do you start researching this market size, right? Because it's a business that you want to start, and you have to know what market you're in. You know, how did you sort of get around figuring out how big this market is? Because obviously, there's a number in mind. It's like, okay, I can grow this company to be a multi-million dollar company, a billion dollar company. I
1: wouldn't say obviously. Th- that wasn't obvious because I just wanted to help moms raise. I just wanted to help as many moms make money. Right. Like, so it wasn't like I wasn't thinking. I, I mean, there's four million babies born in the U.S. every year. I did not know that when I was started to seriously consider building the app. That was just something i had to research because eventually people start asking you and i needed to have an answer but genuinely you're doing this because you want to help people and you want to solve a problem and i know there's a lot of pregnant women because i was one of them my friends and family they were getting pregnant um having babies or have had babies so i think before we start thinking about well before i started thinking about okay the market size and if i get 10 percent of this market size and we, multiply that by this revenue, then we could potentially sell this, all of those. It was really like, all right, there must be a lot of babies. I wanna help a lot of moms because having babies is rough. And so I think this is a way and it's a fun way. So let's just make it a thing.
0: So what's interesting there is that if you if you research anything about startups, the first thing that you hear a lot of is people say, make sure you do something that you're passionate about. Make sure you do something that you enjoy. How important is that? Because there's a lot of businesses out there that you can probably a lot of industries that you could probably get involved with and build a business in. But why is it so important to work in something that you actually are passionate about?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the problem that you have to be passionate about solving, right? So I mean, I live for this because I am I, I my I I think pregnant women wherever they walk there should be rose petals thrown on the floor for every every step that they i personally think like we're gems yes
0: i hear that all the time from you yes
1: like when a woman is pregnant like we should literally have two years off and our husband should cook for (laughs) us every night like i genuinely believe this because the human body is amazing and us going through pregnancy is an amazing journey for a lot of women and for the women who even struggle through it like it's a a struggle and they deserve to be treated well. And so this is my small tiny way of showing my appreciation (laughs) for this great miracle that is pregnancy. So like I love, that's what I love. And so I think you have to really be in love with either your customer or the product because it's gonna change and it's gonna evolve, right? I started because I thought, okay, moms need money but in actuality, it, they needed more than that, and so the concept has changed, so it's really about finding that one thing that you absolutely love that could keep you going, and then just pushing forward with that.
0: So, so what I'm hearing is that there's this big vision. If you could summarize that up, like what is the big vision of the gender reveal game? Because from the outside looking in, you could probably say, hey, this looks like a simple game. It's, you know, it helps moms raise money. It's an easy way to ask for money or to, to gamify the process of, you know, getting money from your friends and family. But what is this underlying vision? Like what is, because in startups you hear a lot about, so what's your version of the future? Like five years from now, gender reveal game has has grown into like a suite of products um, which i hear is something that you you speak a lot about what what how you know what what in the future has changed what what is the gender reveal game changed about the future and what is that future for you
1: yeah so one one thing that will most likely change <laughs> is the name um, so gender reveal game is the first game so in the future i do see us having quite a few games um, because the gender reveal game usually happens, the gender reveal happens in the first trimester, right? And in talking to our moms and surveying our moms, and I mean, I've surveyed at this point six over 600 moms and spoken to them either by phone or by text or done online surveys, right? Like seeing what you're, if I want to be of service to pregnant women, like then what is your problem? Tell me everything you like, dislike, everything you're having a hard time with. And they gave me, you know, they gave me a good solid list and I plan on tackling each and every one. So the future of this company that I'm building will really help solve many pain points for pregnant women, whether it's getting friends and family involved in the pregnancy, whether it is making money, whether it's staying healthy, remembering to take your prenatal vitamins, um, how not to kill your husband because you you know he's the most irritating person you've ever met during these nine months. You know, little things like this. That's the goal, and that's what I I I feel like that's my life's work.
0: Okay, so that you've said a lot there, and there's definitely a big vision there. But when you when you backtrack at the end of the day, there there is this is a business, right? Mm-hmm. So it's rooted in a vision of change. It's rooted. You know, in the vision of helping moms, but when looking at it from the business side, how does the business grow? Right? You talk about a suite of games. How does how does someone actually grow something like that? So, if someone's out there and they've got some idea for some game now that they want to build, and um, it's supposed to help, you know, let's call it, you know, people who are homeless, right? Get find find a shelter. At what point do you then work on the business model? Because that's something that's very real, you know. So talking about the gender reveal game, what does that look like for you?
1: Right. So there's there's a lot of ways to monetize this um, and be fair to our moms, right? So like I, I one of the things that and when I have our team meetings that we always, the forefront is we don't take money from our moms. Our moms are our gems. So we monetize around that um, for us personally, for our game. But in general, I mean... If you're if there's truly a need and there's there's truly traction with what you're trying to do, then there has to be a way of monetizing. And I think it really depends on the industry and what's normal for the industry. We are a digital company, we're mostly, you know, software, our games are gonna be in the digital space and there's a lot of ways to monetize that, especially at scale. If your product is a physical product, you know, there's definitely ways to do that too. So I think it, it really depends.
0: Okay, so something you mentioned there in passing, you, you said team. Um, so far, you know, you've kind of mentioned yourself and this development shop. Do you do you currently have a team? What is that looking like? Because this sounds like a lot of work. You know, doing all this surveying and talking to moms and all the technical stuff on the back end. Like, you know, what what? How many people do you have right now?
1: So we no longer use a dev shop, right? So for anyone who's new who's new to tech, you can eventually want to plan to steer from that. It's just not sustainable. In the long run, it's definitely a good start for proof of concept. So we're no longer doing that. So we're trying to build an in-house team. Right now I have a team of about four women um, who are joining us and they all have technical roles. So you always want to, you know, look for people much smarter than you that have the skills you don't have. So I have a team of, Three amazing technical women who are joining us that just joined to kinda of help us grow this and scale this. Um,
0: are they moms too?
1: They're not moms. I'm the only mom.
0: Okay, so like you like the super mom.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
0: um, they're not moms. And how do you how do you go about finding people? Like one of one of the things that is, is really hard to do and it's something that I'm going through right now is finding good people to work with you. Because at the start you know, most startups don't pay anything, right? At this stage, you're really working on passion. You know, there's a vision. At some point, you know, you're going to create revenue and then you can start paying people. How do you find people to work on this extremely hard thing for very long for no pay, but some dream in the future that, hey, this company is going to grow into something? Do you, what, what do you give them? Do you give them equity, which would be a piece of the company? I mean, how does that conversation start? And how do you even like, get that rolling
1: just know that your first couple of people you try to bring on the team 90% of the time won't work and that was really part of my journey so there were some team members there was even a friend I brought on I mean a friend from childhood that that didn't end well so just know that you when you start trying to build a team just know that there, there, there will might most likely be mistakes and the people who don't fit but also if you you know you once once you could articulate your vision and once you could articulate your passion in a way that people understand then it, it wasn't very hard to get a team this time around i mean it was hard 6 months ago but now that you know we've kind of grown into into knowing where we want to be and and now that I have a plan for three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, ten years from now, it's very easy, it's easier to convince other people. So I would say, you know, first don't be scared that you might scare people away and then eventually, you know, if you're if you're working on something that's beautiful, people will see it.
0: So what's interesting, there's, there's two things that you said there. So you finding these team, these team members, like, how, how, I mean, how does that happen? Do you, do you go looking for technical people? Is it, is it a job posting on LinkedIn or, you know, you doing job ads? How do you, how do you come across people? Because, for example, you're a non-technical founder um, and you're dealing with technical people. How do you go about like locating these people? How do you how do you get on their radar?
1: Networking, I would say. I mean, I did. I tried the job posting. I did. I did that. I mean, it's really about testing and see what works for you, right? Like I said, if you can't articulate your vision, then it's gonna be pretty hard to put it in a job post, <laughs> and then. For someone reading that, especially
0: at at the bottom, you say, "Hey, and it's working free. for free,
1: exactly, and exactly. Um, <laughs>
0: this company is not really on its legs yet, and please come spend your, your, you know, your spare hours in, exactly. in your week and leave your nice little job um, aside and come help me build this thing." So, so one of the things that you hear a lot about is that you know the best founders are storytellers, right? How important is that, and how do you gain those skills, right? How do you how do you bundle up this very technical thing into a very compelling story and-
1: it's sticking with it i'm and, and 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 it sounds like again like there's no real magic to it because six months ago I, I i it was harder but i stayed with it six more months and now i'm better at it it's really about staying sticking with it and and just Practicing, right? I'm I'm always talking about the story, and you know, I listen to the questions I get asked, and then I I mold those answers into my next an- into my next answer. Um, so it's really about sticking to it and then practicing, um, and the, and then you'll get better over time. I think there's no skipping that. There's just you know, just working at it, and and your story will will grow and mold, and you know you'll. There.
0: So that being said, so you're talking to these technical folks and being that, you, you know, you don't have a computer programmer background. Did you have to, like, read up on, you know, just the tech space in general or just get up to speed on just general knowledge? Because at some point you have to explain what it is that you're trying to achieve to someone and you don't want to come off and say, you know, I want to build a space shuttle, which is which is not possible at at, at the scale you know so how do you go about like gathering the knowledge that's required to just understand what's capable at this level
1: so I think that it just comes with the territory. Like listen if you if you want to become a blacksmith you're gonna have to learn whatever shit blacksmiths need to know in order to run a, you know you know what i mean like you, there has to be some sort of learning like i can't say hey i'm gonna build i'm gonna have a software company and not know a damn thing about software like that's not that's not a thing what i know is very minimal i'm not gonna say that i could build anything i, I can i couldn't write a line of code but you learn to communicate um when you have to and you've learned through experience right i've gone through three dev shops so if I want to cut costs, it, it's cheaper for me to know what I'm talking about than having them build something completely different that I don't want. Mm. So it all boils down to that, too. Um, you learn out of necessity. And I think, you know, my friends who are founders, that's something that we've just become very good at. You know, we learn what we need to um, take the time to learn what we need to um, in order to to, you know, grow in that way.
0: So fast forward a little bit. So you've developed this game... And at some point, you raised some money from an accelerator in Pittsburgh. How much did you raise?
1: So the accelerator, alphalab.org. I believe it's .org. Um, everyone go look it up. Um, they're an amazing accelerator. Uh, they're nationally ranked. So this is my little shameless plug for Alpha Lab. Love you guys. Plug, plug, plug. Um, yeah, so I did raise some pre-seed from an accelerator. Um, and it was an amazing experience. Um, I think, and this is all I'm gonna say about about accelerators and incubators and all of the. Well, well,
0: b- b- before you even say that, we've we've just covered like so much ground already. Like, what is an accelerator, first of all, before if before we get going? If you don't
1: know what an accelerator is, I'm gonna ask you to Google it. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? So, um, accelerators, incubators—they're these spaces or organizations or groups that take. Um, companies either at startup phase or really early phase and they kind of help you accelerate your process in one way or another either with marketing either with funding either with linking you with advisors in some manner Um, alpha lab what they did is they did give you they do fund you they give you a small pre-seed and then they also incubate you right so we're there for three months and there's six 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 to eight companies and we kind of spend all day together uh, most days just working talking building experimenting setting goals missing goals breaking goals um and so there are quite a lot of these and there are a lot of them spurring up everywhere um my thing is for those listening this sounds like something you're interested in or if you're really in your pre-seed round or you're in your early days, I would say do a lot of research um, and make sure that the programs that you apply to really have what you need at the time. Is it marketing that you need? Is it an advisor that you need? Is it funding that you need? Everyone's going to say, of course I need funding. But beyond that, (laughs) um, what you need and then go for it um, and apply.
0: So there's there's a lot of accelerators in almost like every city now because startups are so, so hot right now and they've been hot for a little bit. Um, but one thing you mentioned there was advisors, and um, I think you mentioned mentors, or maybe I was just thinking about that. How important is it? Well, I think from just our our relationship personally, you have this this founder circle, and you have this mentor circle, and you know how is import, how important is it at the start to ensure you have people around you that are doing the same thing first of all, trying to build a company, and two. How important is it for you to have mentors and advisors who are ahead of you in this um, to sort of
1: guide you? So when I first started, right, so again, I'm not technical. or I have nothing about this tech space. I went out and I went to every networking event I could get my hands on that I had time to go, every tech networking event, every tech pitch competition, every tech event that I could possibly attend with a a baby because, you know, I had a... At an infant but um and going to those things you naturally make friends with those in the audience who tend to be other they ended up being other founders or people who had just started their companies or were a little further along and so i think first what was important for me were to make connections in that level like what Issa ray says like mm-hmm. what would you, what did you say like network vertical is this where Horizontally. Horizontally. There Horizontally. You go. Horizontally. There you go. Horizontally. So we got that. We got roll it. We together. You know? Um, I think that was super important um, for me first, right? And even now that I have some amazing mentors, I mean, people who have sold, scaled, multi-million dollar companies that I have as mentors. Once you have that founder friend, right, I lean on my mentors and I probably talk to them maybe once every three months. Um, when I have a real need or when I have a real ask, because you don't really, I I personally don't lean on my mentors that way. I really lean on my founder friends and I lean on, you know, folks who are in my space for day-to-day support. And I think it's the day-to-day that really matters.
0: So you say day-to-day support. I'm I'm just going to come out and say it. I think that like Being, I think, one of those founder friends, I think we just generally have to just hype each other up all the time because I think it's so hard to get anything done um, in this space. And it's quite difficult because you're really trying to build something new that I would just stress out that, you know, if you're going to take on this journey and you want to build a company from scratch or a startup, whether or not it's in the food space, tech space, it's in um, biotech or whatever it is, hair care products, doesn't matter. I think it's super important to ensure you have people who are doing the same thing because you're gonna need that. You really are gonna need that. Um, but I want to just you know just move forward a little bit, or well, actually move back because at some point you are. So you're married, right? Yes. And at some point you are married, right? Let me get this right. You're married with a full time job. At that time, right when you first started the game, you have a baby, and you're building the company from scratch. Okay, so how do you manage that time? How do you how do you carve out time for all of those things and your life doesn't completely fall apart?
1: Um, I think you just do. <laughs> I know that sounds ridiculous. But what's but the hack?
0: What's the hack? There what's, is no what's, hack. what's 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 the framework?
1: Everyone wants a hack. There is there is. But the there has hack. to be a hack. When you want something, you'll figure it out. I mean, you know, like. I was I was pumping, right? When I was pumping, I had to sit there for 30 minutes anyway, waiting to, you know, I'm mil- being milk. <laughs> I would spend that time, you know, learning about what wireframes are and why my developers are charging me so damn much for them. And maybe I could do them myself, right? So, like, it's just like a good use of time. I think it what it boils down to, like I didn't spend, I don't, I didn't watch TV at that time, right? Because that was not part of the goal. I didn't, um, I didn't go out very much because I had a newborn baby, so I spent a lot of time at home. So when he was asleep, I was on my computer researching, um, what is React and why should I build my app in React as opposed to being in the Apple Store? So like. Little things like this. So there really is no hack. It's just very good management of time. And when I say that, I'm just going to throw this in there. There will also be days where you know you could be spending time doing something productive. But you know what? You're just going to stay in bed. And those days are okay, too. (laughs) But, um, and it's just all about, you know, like being able to rebound and get back on it.
0: So one of the things that is, is definitely a... A sore topic if when people are starting companies from scratch is is managing you know stress right there's a lot of stress there's a lot of there's a lot of anxiety that comes with with being in this space there's a lot of um, things you have to deal with Um, there's a lot under your control for sure but there's a lot that you cannot control at all you know how do you how do you manage that that stress and how do you make sure that it doesn't necessarily burn you out
1: I think, I don't know. I don't think i figured that out yet. So if you're listening to this podcast, and like, No, you're years,
0: supposed to give hope. You're supposed to say, hey, this is exactly what you do.
1: No. Again, there is no hack. I mean, it it definitely depends on the season. It depends on what's going on at the time. It depends if my baby just learned how to walk, then, okay, that's a less stressful time, right? Because I'm spending time with him or excited about that. Um, it depends on, you know... It, it, there's a lot of factors I think the the main the main thing is when it comes to stress from the business always just remembering the goal right there would be a time where I'm stressed because I don't know something's not working right or there's a glitch or you know there's a glitch and I'm like oh my god all my moms hate me and this, this whole thing's gonna fail and I'm just gonna like give up because it's idea from the beginning and then i'd get an email from one of my moms and it would be the most forgiving email like hey i just want you to know that you know the site won't open i'm gonna try again tomorrow but just want you to know that and when you realize how patient they're they are with you you got to be patient with yourself so I think that's kind of how I manage it. I just, you know, or when a mom finally cashes out the 3000 the 300 dollars that she's raised and she's like, "Oh my god, I'm finally going to buy the stroller that I want." Those little things.
0: So, one of the things that um is is definitely uh sort of what goes on what goes around with um starting a company in the tech scene is that you hear a lot about people saying move to a tech hub, right? You have to be where the action is. You have to go where people are hiring, where you can find software developers, where you can find people who are building, you know, biotech or who are just generally in the space. So you, you want to work with the best marketers, PR people. So you, in, you live in Atlanta, which is primarily a tech hub. Now, if someone is not in that tech hub, you know but they also want to connect with let's say they want to find founder friends or they want to connect with software engineers you know how, how, how do they do it like let's say someone's in alabama somewhere you know some random city in alabama but they want to start a tech company what do they do because and they can't move they can't move from alabama to atlanta you know but how do they go about starting
1: i don't think i have the answer to that i've lived in tech hubs not because i wanted to it's just i'm from new york (laughs) um and now i'm in atlanta because half of my family is there so i don't know if i have the answer to that just yet
0: so you would recommend someone to move
1: no if they could i have no idea what someone in not in a tech space would do i mean i'm i'm assuming i'm assuming Right, we're very resourceful, and when I say we, you know, like it, when you really want to do something, you become resourceful. I'm sure if you live in Alabama or you live in a city that might be slower in terms of tech or, or whatever industry you're in, um, I'm sure there is a way. Like you only need when you're starting up two, three, four people on your team. There's, I'm, I'm not totally convinced that in an entire city or in a large town you can't find that second or third person that you need. So I think it might just be more effort or it might be more work, or you might have to start remotely um, with someone, which my original team was all remote. Um, I'm sure if there's a will, there's a way.
0: So I'll come out and say there's, there's a lot of um, platforms online where you can go there and connect with founders, you can connect with people who are building software, you can learn about startups, you can learn about business. And what I'll do is I probably just leave a couple of links um, somewhere on the blog page for anyone who's interested. Um, I would say definitely start online. Um, networking online is is super important nowadays, and you're probably gonna find a lot more people online. I would say um, some of the major platforms that people use a lot. I would say Twitter, right? If you're on Twitter, you can find anyone on Twitter. So I would say maybe probably start with Twitter or Instagram is is another one that's that's, that's pretty good. But there's a lot of other niche sort of, uh, platforms online. Um, so I'll just drop that in there as well. So another thing I wanted to talk about is, um, so you're here now, right? In, in about three days, where are you going? Or actually wait, two days.
1: Yeah. Less than like 48 hours. Okay.
0: So 48 hours, where are you headed?
1: I'm heading into LA to, to pitch on a show by entrepreneur magazine called the elevator pitch. Yeah.
0: So that's, that's, that's kind of a big deal. Um, So, started this game a few months ago, you are about to go pitch for, how much are you looking to raise from that?
1: I'm asking for 100k for 5% of the company, and it's a show, so if if you don't know about how these shows work, definitely do a little bit of research on shows like Shark Tank. Um, A lot of these deals that happen on this show are handshake deals. But um, I'm really excited for the publicity that this could potentially bring, if it airs, if it airs. Um, Yeah, and you know, I I think what's even more important is how I even got the opportunity to be on the show. And it was literally a link (laughs) to apply, and it was about 20 questions, and I applied. And this is my third time applying, that don't give up mentality and just keep trying. I mean... The first time I tried, I think I, I went back into my email and dug up my first application, and all of my answers were absolutely horrible, <laughs> absolutely horrible. My numbers were like non-existent, horrible. The second time it was better, but I could definitely see why I wasn't chosen. But as I got better with telling my story, I think the third one must have resonated with someone on their producer team, and that's why I was able to get this opportunity. So, one. Don't be scared to apply even if you think you don't qualify. And this goes for specifically women founders, right? It's like, the numbers are there. Women will not apply to a job application if they don't meet
0: all the criteria. Every
1: single criteria. And a man will literally just think he sees like the name on the title and is like, I'm in. He already envisioned himself in the chair at that job. So, same thing goes for these applications and opportunities. Even if you think you might not get accepted. It's a great opportunity to learn how to speak your business.
0: So one, one of the things that um, I definitely cannot let you go without talking about is being a black female in, in oh, this God. space. Yes. So we know that, you know, when you talk about like funding of, of startups, you know, less than 1% of funding goes to um, black p- people of color and even less go to black females. You know, what has been your challenges, if any? Because I think that we should really be be careful when we paint these narratives that not everyone is going to experience that. You know, not everyone is going to experience, you know, racism or not everyone's going to experience discrimination. But from your experience so far, you know, have you experienced anything like that? Has it worked against you in any way? Has it worked in your favor in any way? You know, what's been the general um experience with being a black female millennial young founder or startup founder
1: um i think i've seen the women thing a little bit more i don't know if it was specifically race been targeted for race but definitely you know i'm a woman in tech and i have a game about for mom so you know, all of that is kind of like compounds like what people originally think about me and the idea. Um, but I think with the whole less than 1% of black females raise money thing, well, meh, that goes into a whole nother topic is do most companies actually even need to raise money? So that hasn't been my experience just because I don't think I've doubled down and like, hey, like I'm going to raise money yet. Yeah, my focus is really on... Um, growing this organically. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think being in Atlanta, then going to Pittsburgh for a little bit, I haven't experienced it yet. I think that's something that I'm definitely keen on and aware of. And... And using to my advantage, because there's a lot of opportunity now for black women to get sponsorships and funding. Um and then just working harder, just knowing that my chances are limited.
0: So first of all, I'll I'll go I'll go on the record and say I think that Kim is absolutely amazing. She as as a young founder, she gives me a lot of advice and she helps me a lot with some of the stuff that I'm going through. And I think that she has some superpowers, but I've actually never asked you this, but like if you had to describe one superpower that you do have. And I think all founders have a superpower. It's that one thing that you do best and you might not have gone to school for this thing. It's that might not have been something that you even read about, but you're just really good at it and you just know you're just really boss at it. What, what would that actually be for you?
1: I don't know. I never thought about it. Um, I like to think that I'm a good salesperson. Like, I I could present a good case for someone to buy something, whether it's an idea or a pair of jeans from back when I used to sell jeans at Diesel. (laughs) Um, Or I, I think that would be my superpower. Like, I like the challenge of selling something to someone in that moment where they buy it, either physically buy it or buy into an idea. I think that challenge for me is something that I love and I've gotten really good at it.
0: So this 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 sounds like this, there's always been an entrepreneur in you. Like, when was the first time you realized that you enjoy this? I mean, were you were you that kid that you know made you know stuff at home and then took it to school? Did you make like homemade bracelets? I make
1: it myself. Let's be serious. I'm an entrepreneur. I don't make things. I just sell them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I. The moment I realized that I was into this kind of thing was at school, in high school. We'd have these bake sales and then for some reason I became the bake sale lady. Like I would not bake anything. I would organize everyone in the class, what each one would bake, what would they bring and then they'll bring it to class. I'll look at everything and then I'll price them all based on how yummy I thought they looked. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then so we were and we went to school my high school was on um madison and fifth in city like we were next door to like the mayor's office and like the met and like fifth avenue so i mean i was selling brownies for like twelve dollars a pop like it was it was ridiculous um and i would i we would be breaking in money at the bake sales and i would lead them i would price them i would sell at them and then i think that's what i really really enjoyed like i remember being in class Waiting for the day to end so that I could set up this table and sell cheap home-baked brownies at premium prices to people walking down Fifth Avenue. Um, And I think that's when I kind of realized that there was something there. Um, And then that kind of grew as I worked in retail. I worked in high-end retail stores, and I just loved meeting my numbers and my metrics and selling. And then, yeah, it kind of brought me to where I am today.
0: So it sounds like, you know, from, from from very early on you were someone that could spot a gap in the market and organize things to get you. So I think your superpower from what I know is just getting stuff done. You know, I feel like you're extremely resourceful and some of the ways you get things done sometimes to me it just seems like okay, that's that's really crazy. I, who would do that? But I think that just I think as a founder or someone who wants to start a company, that doesn't necessarily have a blueprint to it, like your thing, like what you're doing right now. I think it's super important to just be as resourceful as you possibly can, which means think outside of the box and just just try a million different things, and something will work. So, so you're here now. You know, in two days you could possibly have raised you know hundred thousand dollars, and now you're on your way. You got your team, you have a new vision for you know some of the new games that you're working on. If you could go back and give your past self advice right now, what would that actually be? You know, if if you're talking to Kim five, six months ago, what would that be? You know, what would you say to yourself to say, hey, listen, don't do this particular thing and make sure you do this particular thing? What would what would that be? What would that, what would that conversation look like?
1: Five, six months ago, where was I? Oh, I was in Pittsburgh in the cold, pissed, right? Because I just moved from um, the East Coast down to Atlanta to escape the snow, and then I ended up back in the snow to do this accelerator program. So I was depressed in Pittsburgh because of snow. I would have had probably told myself, (sighs) what would have told myself? I don't know that the risks were worth it, Um, because you know I've done a lot of risky things. I guess with you saying I'm resourceful, a lot of that comes from being um, happy and willing to take. Well,
0: the truth is, you're kind of a gunslinger, really. Yeah, I take some. You shoot from from the hip. You shoot from the hip. She shoots from the hip. People, I'm telling you, like you don't want to know.
1: (laughs) I mean, you know, sometimes, especially when you're. I'm when you're naive in an industry don't take that as don't always you know That's what I'll tell myself. I'll tell myself listen Kim I know you think you don't know a lot and you really don't know a lot I did not know a lot of things um especially the importance of an NDA, but um, I did know a lot of things, but I would have told myself that your naive Naivete is actually a perk because that allowed you to take certain risks that you otherwise wouldn't have taken And I know it seems silly and I I know you, you know, you're very worried right now, but it's okay that, you know, that's, it's going to be okay.
0: So I'm going to flip this question around and say five years from now, right? If you can talk to future Kim, what would that advice look like right now? If you could advise future Kim.
1: Future Kim, you better be home being a housewife.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Wait, I thought you were a startup entrepreneur. You're gonna grow this multi million dollar company. Yeah, but listen, you know, family is also very where, important. Where, where, where do you go back to the, you know, being a housewife? I mean like
1: okay, when I I'm being I'm being kinda of ridiculous when I mean a housewife, but definitely um, have found some sort of work life balance. I definitely want to be home with the kids more and you know, building a family life. I think that's just as important as my business life. So hopefully five years from now, Kim, you're listening to this. And, you know, you've learned how to bake a nice cake or something.
0: So there's something very interesting about what Kim is saying right now. And I'm going to ask another question to put that into perspective. How many kids do you want?
1: I can't say because my husband will definitely freak out if I said that in public. I do want a lot of kids. Um... I don't have a number, but I definitely want as many kids as I could afford that's my thing that I always say I want as many kids as I could afford so you know if this becomes a billion dollar company I might have a little village who knows
0: so it sounds like this company is gonna be a very big company and you probably are gonna be successful and so I'm expecting a lot of, a lot uh, of baby kids. showers Yes, and Adopted I can.
1: Kids. yes and, I, and, I, and kids. right and oh. I
0: and I love kids too so I mean that'd be that'd be fantastic so I think The last thing I probably want to talk about is just the mindset. So I think that it's very clear that going into this, you have to uh, be a self-starter. You have to uh, learn on your own. You have to manage a lot of stress. You have to...
1: Stay off of social media.
0: Why is that important, actually?
1: What? Staying off social media? Yeah. (sighs) Because we always make it seem like we're on social media because of our business. But chances are, are you really on your business page <laughs> is what I say to people um, I, th- I, I think when I say stay off of social media I think it's more of the comparison thing right it's very mm-hmm. easy to compare yourself and where you are in your progress when you're on social media and you're seeing someone post like you know all this great success I think um, that you know staying at your own pace is very important and to do that you know It's okay to withdraw and focus and do all those things, like being a self-starter and not giving up and struggling. It's okay to struggle. Offline.
0: But how, how, how long? How long do we struggle for? I mean, I've I've been working on my startup for what may seem like eight months now, and I still feel like I'm wielding this hammer in the dark, and I'm just banging around. At what point do I go? You know what? There's 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 nothing here. I got to wrap it up. Like, so staying positive is good. I, I mean,
1: do I do not know the answer to that.
0: What's what's the long haul?
1: I don't I don't know because I'm still I as my one of my mentors told me like he's like you're climbing Mount Everest, kid, and you're. You're at 100 meters, and though most people don't get to 100 meters, you're still only at 100 meters, and you got all of Mount Everest to go. So, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe I might know the answer to that in a couple of years. Who
0: knows? So this sounds a little gloom. So we've got we've got working hard. We've That's got, good. We've, we've got working hard. We've There's
1: got nothing wrong with working hard and struggling with and no with no through. end in sight. No, because in between, you're going to get these wins that makes it all worth it.
0: So you're saying you have to celebrate the small wins?
1: Yeah, but they don't have to be small. They're also big wins. Okay. My first customer was a huge win. I think she must have raised like $40. I was so excited. You couldn't tell me nothing for like a week.
0: So uh, I'll tell a short story that just, just the other day, um, Kim was working on... Um, part of her business model and she made how much did you make on that on on the new
1: 75
0: 75 she made 75 75 cents and you know the
1: proof of concept remember that mvp that thing you do before the mvp i was trying to prove out this affiliate model and it wasn't working and it hadn't worked for like three months but i just you know once a week did something for it and i finally someone finally bought something and i made seventy. Five
0: cents. I'm telling you, I don't think. I mean, if you got her a brand new Tesla Model Three, I don't think she'll be as happy as the seventy-five cents that hit the bank account. So, I think the small wins really I matter.
1: Say, it hasn't even hit the bank account yet. I don't even want to take it out. Just kind of leave it in, there. <laughs> so <laughs> so that turns into seven thousand five hundred dollars, and then we'll get to talking.
0: Okay, so um, the last question before we wrap up. Um what is a big don't in this game? You know, you know, someone out there is listening right now, they've got an idea. I think we for this particular episode, we've we've kind of touched on the the tech industry from a non-technical founder's perspective. Um, and someone else out there has a lot of people have app ideas, but obviously they don't know where to start a lot of the time. And you know, they want to get started. But before they do, what is a big no-no when you get started? You know, there's there's a lot to learn. We've touched on all that stuff. But what is something that you would absolutely recommend someone to absolutely not do at all? What's the one thing that you could say, whatever you do, do not do this one thing? And it's hard because you don't want to be prescriptive because everybody's journey is different. But from your experience, what's that one thing?
1: Don't. Spend money you don't have or a ridiculous amount of money and that's subjective, right? But, you know, what? don't spend a whole bunch of money building your MVP. Your MVP should be a concept that's easy to prove without you blowing hundreds or thousands of dollars. I would say, you know what, it should cost you no more than a thousand-ish dollars if it's not high-tech or less. To prove out your concept, you should be able to get three customers without building something. Don't do that. I did that. Don't do that.
0: So, well, that's where we're going to end off this uh, story. Kim is flying off to her show in two days and she is growing a team right now and there's a lot, tremendous amount going on. And how can people, like, get involved with that and follow your journey? You know, are you on Twitter? Do you blog? You know, where can they catch up with you? Can they email you if someone wants to ask you a question and say, hey?
1: Yeah, do that. Email me. Email me at kim at genderrevealgame.com. I'll definitely respond to my emails. You could follow me, even though I don't post anything interesting right now, at kim, J-O-L-A-S-U-N, um, on Instagram and on Twitter um but most definitely and most importantly let all your pregnant friends know about the gender reveal game um fun way for friends and family to get involved in the pregnancy and then once they play that game they'll be unlocked into all the other games that we are building um and be in the know
0: all right thank you kim i really appreciate
1: it no problem Oh. Okay. You happy
0: with that? Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm still recording. Oh shit! I can cut that off. It's cool. <laughs>